Welcome to the Purpose and Principles Podcast. I'm Max Brown, and my guest today is Jim Kuzis. Jim, if well, frankly, if you've ever, if you've done anything in management theory or learned organizational behavior or taken a business program at college, you've probably read one of his books. I certainly did when I was in school. But Jim is the co-author with Barry Posner of the award-winning and best-selling book, The Leadership Challenge, with over 2.5 million copies in print. He's also the Dean's Executive Fellow of Leadership at the Levy School of Business in Santa, Santa Clara University. Uh, the sixth edition of The Leadership Challenge was released in 2017, and it's available in 22 different languages. It was selected by Fast Company as one of the 2012 best books of the year, and many, many other lists as well, including at the Wall Street Journal and Amazon Editor's Best Pick, and, and so many others. And Jim and Barry have co-authored over 30 other publications, including The Learning Leadership, The Truth About Leadership, A Leader's Legacy, Credibility, How Leaders Gain and Lose It, Why People Demand It, and Encouraging the Heart, um, along with workbooks for both Encouraging the Heart and The Leadership Challenge. Jim, I am grateful that not only was I able to study your work in my business program, and learning about organizational behavior and group dynamics, but that we've been able to connect now and, and been connected now for over a decade. It is so great to have you on this show. Thank you, Max. It's, it's delightful to be with you, and thanks for your gracious introduction. Well, you know, I'm, I'm just grateful for the work you've done for so many years. And, you know, it's, you've done this research now for, for a long time. Is there anything that continues to surprise you from the research you've done or the work that you've been doing? What are you reflecting on today? Well, thanks for, for that question, Max. And uh, what surprises me most, frankly, is the consistency over time of what we're finding. Mm. And, and in a sense, people continue to tell us that when leaders behave in a, an exemplary manner, they're more engaged, they're more productive. This is no should be no surprise to anyone. And yet we see, still see, behaviors by leaders that are inconsistent with exemplary practices. So that's one thing I think is how consistent the findings are. Uh, the other thing that is important, and we are just reviewing the data we've gathered over the last two years, again, because we're doing the seventh edition of the Leadership Challenge, mm -hmm. starting this fall uh, to be published in 2022. And we're looking at our data and what always jumps out is how important individual leader behavior is. Uh, as you know from your own work, the most Im important reason why people stay or leave in an organization is because of their immediate manager mm -hmm. and, that, and how that person behaves. And because individuals matter, then the, the, what's important for us to focus on, I think, as leadership developers is the development of individual leader capacity mm -hmm. to behave this way. The other thing we've been working on and taking a look at our data, we got curious as your work, it's probably true for your work as well as our work. Uh, we have worked mostly inside organizations with managers, mm -hmm. people who are promoted and they have uh, direct reports and, their role changes from being an individual contributor to someone who needs to develop others, coach others, uh, engage others. And we wanted to look at 
do these same behaviors that are that we've been teaching managers and developing managers around work for individual contributors who may be leading a project but don't have a title, don't have the authority? In other words, does peer-to-peer uh, behavior matter in the same way that manager-to-direct report behavior matters? Mm-hmm. And what we've been finding is exactly the same thing as we find when we look at uh, direct report and manager. That is, peers can use these same, we call them the five practices of exemplary leadership, but exemplary leadership behaviors in the same way that managers do and uh, get the same results, that the more frequently peers engage in exemplary leader behavior, the more engaged their peers are in the organization, Mm -hmm. the more meaningful they find their work, the more they feel like uh, they're part of a team, the less likely they are to want to leave, the more willing they are to put forth discretionary effort. And I think that's an important new finding. And we're going to be releasing a book on that next uh, spring. I, I love the fact that you bring up that one of the most con- interesting things about this is that it's still consistent. You know, for decades and decades, we've known this. I mean, Edwards Deming, when he was doing his consulting in the Toyota production system, he had the 14 rules of management. And one of them was no fear, get rid of fear in the workplace, you know, get fear out. And and in the 1920s, we heard about um, talking about if I take care of my employees, they'll take care of the customer from Bill Marriott Sr. before he even started hotels. So it's just fascinating to me that a hundred years later, we're still talking about this research. Why is this still so difficult? Because it's consistently so important. The research is so compelling and it just can't be refuted. Why is this still so difficult? What's so hard about these behaviors that make this so challenging? I don't think it's the behaviors that are hard, okay. actually. If you if you take a look at an individual behavior and say, is it possible for somebody to recognize someone for doing a job well done? Uh, is it possible for somebody to treat another human being with dignity and respect? Mm-hmm. Is it possible to listen to diverse points? Is it difficult to listen to diverse points of view? All of those are behaviors that we measure mm-hmm. uh, along with many others. And I'm sure we do that in other parts of our lives. So I, I it, it comes down to a couple of things, Max, I think. One is, uh, are, do people believe that leadership behavior can be developed? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and there's still a myth. It's not as prevalent as it was when we first started this, but we have written about this in our book called Learning Leadership, that uh, there's a percentage of people who still believe that you can't learn to lead, that it's either uh, built into your DNA when you're born or you grew up in the right families or uh, you had special privileges and got developed early, uh, all of these kinds of mythologies. And that you know, now that I'm a supervisor of other people uh, and I'm 30 years or 40 years old, uh, gee, I don't think I can learn these things. Mm-hmm. We know that that's a myth. In fact, we did some studies. <laughs> we looked at the percentage of people who were at the very low end of the scale and demonstrated no leadership capabilities whatsoever. And then we looked at people Uh, who scored high on the list or demonstrated some leadership capability, even if it it was uh, just occasionally. Mm -hmm. And what we found, interestingly, is that the percentage of people who demonstrate no leadership abilities whatsoever 
is 0.00013%. And so it's just simply a myth that the majority of people don't have any leadership capabilities that can be developed. In fact, 99.99987% of people have it. So if it is indeed uh, born, then the majority of people are born with some of it and yet hold the belief that perhaps they can't be developed. And that is fostered inside organizations because our research and Jack Zanger, whom you know, uh, has found that the average age of someone who gets their first leadership training is 42 years of age, which is 10 years after they begin supervising other people. Mm. And so I think that's one of the barriers and one of the reasons why we don't see as much of it as we do. But as, uh, as we were talking before we started the the show uh, at uh, the door Institute for new leaders at Rice university, for example, Every student at the school, graduate and undergraduate, has the opportunity to participate in leadership development program, a leadership development customized course uh, of study for themselves individually through a coaching approach. Uh, That is one of many programs that are currently developed at developing at universities, Mm -hmm. and. I think we're going to see more and more of that as the years go forward. So I'm hopeful that we'll be seeing more exemplary leadership behavior uh, into the future. Boy, I do too. And it's interesting because a lot of the MBA programs, like the one you just referenced, or the business programs out there have, have changed over time, right? That it is more about how we lead and how we engage, how we influence others along the way. Having said all this about the education part and that leaders can learn, and I, I absolutely believe that, there certainly are some leaders that are better than others, right? Some that exemplify these behaviors better than others. And what we're trying to do is help those who are still struggling with this or not convinced that they should come over and, 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 and get involved. Some people, however, in my experience have said, ah, but I've tried that before and I got bit by it, you know, or the politics grabbed me and I got... I got fired for telling the truth, or I got I got hammered because um, you know the ego of the boss just ran over people. What do you say to those who are trying to survive in an environment where they don't know how to how to exemplify some of these behaviors, even though they know they're important? Yeah, it's it's a real tension. And what I what I tell individuals who ask a a version of that question. What do I do if I don't see this behavior modeled in my organization? I, I said, ask yourself the following question. Even if your manager's manager didn't exemplify the behaviors or the president of the company didn't exemplify these behaviors, would you want your manager to behave that way toward you? Mm-hmm. Would you want your immediate manager, despite everything else that's happening in the organization, treat you with dignity and respect, actively listen to diverse points of view, uh, uh, ask people to cooperate uh, and be collaborative, uh, the kinds of exemplary behaviors that bring out the best in people. Mm -hmm. And the answer is uniformly, yes, of course, I I want that from my leader. Well, then your direct reports want the same from you. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yes, you could say, I can't develop these skills and abilities, or I can't demonstrate these skills and abilities because my boss won't let me, mm-hmm. or my boss doesn't do it him or herself. 
Uh, or you could say, despite all the challenges and adversity I face, I am going to take responsibility for my behavior and behave that way towards others. That's really the only control you do have. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You have control, control of your own behavior, and sometimes times that's questionable, but uh, we know that's the only behavior we can control is our own. Yeah. And so at least take responsibility for putting forth your best effort to be consistent with what we know to be most effective. You know, you've mentioned some of these most effective behaviors a couple different ways now. Are there some common themes you see regardless of industry or country among individual leaders? And and are these they? Are there additional ones that you think, wow, people might not consider this being very powerful or influential, but they really should? Well, in terms of uh, our research, we've done research in 72 different countries, mm -hmm. and we find a consistency across all these behaviors. Uh, just very, very specifically, we we measure five practices of exemplary leadership, model the way, inspire a shared vision, challenge the process, uh, enable others to act and encourage the heart. And if we look at our data and ask, do it, does engaging in, in these practices and the associated behaviors more frequently lead to uh, higher performance and lead to higher levels of engagement across the globe, the answer is uniformly yes. It does. Uh, and while the absolute percentages may vary slightly across the globe, the most important uh, person in getting those results, higher performance and higher levels of engagement, is your immediate manager. And across the globe, the individual behavior matters more than anything. And demographics, if you combine 10 demographic variables like education, age, uh, your country of origin, all of the things that we might measure when we're looking at demographics, male, female, et cetera, account for less than three-tenths of 1% of why someone is engaged in their work. So it's the behaviors that matter, and they do show up globally. Now, how one encourages the heart or how one models the way might vary from country to country, culture to culture, but the practices still show up in the same way uh, globally in terms of the outcomes that they get. Yeah, I love that. And I love the fact that we know that there are some behaviors that are consistent no matter where you go no matter what industry you're in, no matter what language you speak or where you might have grown up, you can know that these things work. And, and the, the work I do, yes. we really emphasize that when you understand the principles, these universal principles, then that behavior should be, we should be trying to support it at every turn. We should be, our processes and our systems should be built to support that behavior so that it happens more frequently, more regularly, so that we get better, more consistent results. Yes, absolutely. And, and you use the, the, the word language, regardless of your language. And uh, one, one of the analogies we like to use is if, if we had to learn a different leadership language for every different country, mm -hmm. and you travel a lot, I have traveled a lot uh, and spoken and worked in many different countries. If we had to learn a different leadership language 
before we went and worked in one of these other countries, it would be literally impossible because I couldn't learn language of 72 different countries. Mm-hmm. And so there is a common language to leadership, if you will. I, 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 some findings based on science, based on evidence that have demonstrated that, that some things work better than others. Mm-hmm. And if if we could help people to come to that understanding that this is evidence-based, that it does work globally. Yes, it needs to be uh, adapted to the culture in terms of certain specifics of how one does something, but the fundamentals are consistent across the world. Yeah, I think that's just really important to emphasize and that this this we're not making this up. It's not just a theoretical fun to have. This is this is rock solid. It is scientific. It's been around for a very long time, for decades in terms of your research, but it's been complemented over and over again by other independent studies over and over again as well. We know this makes a difference. Now, what do you say to those, and I know you get this question much like I do, to those leaders who say, yeah, but there's some companies I can point you to or leaders specifically that I can point you to who don't follow these behaviors and they're still getting pretty amazing results. Wow, isn't that cool? Uh, Yes, it's true. There are people who go in and turn around a company who fire a lot of people, uh, bring in new people, and uh, then what typically happens with those individuals is you see performance go up for a very short period of time and then it levels off and often goes declines. Why? Because the people that you want to retain are discouraged from continuing to perform at high levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it may work for a while, uh, but it won't sustain itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and just some, a, a framework uh, I often suggest people use to think about this. Um, if, if I could say there is one truth throughout human history and make one prediction about what will happen in the future, I will tell you that that will be about human beings will seek greater freedom for themselves and their families over time. I've never heard any human being ever say to me, please enslave me, please constrain my behavior. That's what I want. I, w- I want you to lock me up, if you will. Yeah. Uh, so individuals want to have opportunity to express themselves, to be encouraged to speak up, to ach- reach higher levels uh, of, uh, of performance for themselves and others, to aspire to do things, to invent, to create, and we also have to remember that we need rules and regulations. I mean, I don't want somebody getting up in the morning and saying, gee, I think I'll drive on, if I'm in the United States, I think I'll drive on the left side of the road today. That would be fun. Yeah. Uh, I want that choice for myself. Mm-hmm. No, we have to have some guiding principles, some ground rules for how we behave every day. So we aren't living in fear every day that uh, uh, something might happen to us as a result of I follow the rules and somebody else doesn't. Right. But in fact, we still are going to seek greater levels of freedom for ourselves. And so in that sense, if we could just remember that historical fact, that truth about history, uh, perhaps we 
would stop trying to consistently uh, behave in ways that make people feel unfree or mm-hmm. constrained, not in control of their own lives. In other words, you know, each of us wants to be in control of our own life. We don't want other people controlling our lives. Boy, you, I mean, it's, it's a big deal. And what you just said is, is huge. I mean, Daniel Pink's talked about this with autonomy, mastery, and purpose, and so mm. many other thought leaders just complimenting what you just said. The people are looking for something, but they want to be able to create. They want to be able to deliver great results. Some managers, and particularly, I, I, I would say, um, senior leaders who who kind of see this younger generation as the needy generation at times. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes the news comes out and kind of kind of goes against these these younger people. But I, I think that sometimes the perspective is incorrect in that what they really want is that meaning and that purpose. And the golden handcuffs that the, their senior leaders grew up with, meaning the lifetime pensions and benefits, are not there anymore in an organization. So the younger people are now saying, hey, right now I want meaning and purpose in my life because this work, this work doesn't guarantee me anything if I retire from here. It just, it, 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 what it, I need to know that what I'm doing today matters. Absolutely. And you know, that it, what you just said is so important for leaders to understand. If, if I just take one bit of evidence from our our research, mm-hmm. uh, Max, we ask a question that uh, the leader speaks with conviction about the higher meaning and purpose of work. That's one of the behaviors we measure. When leaders uh, only talk about that or express that conviction almost never or very infrequently, rarely, only one percent of people report that this is an, a person is an effective leader. Mm. But when the leader does that very frequently or almost always, about ninety percent of people consider that leader to be effective. And so we see the impact of talking about that uh, in the data that we gather that we need to speak more clearly about the meaning and purpose of work. When you ask the question about, again, on this same topic, leaders show that others' long-term interests can be realized by enlisting in a common vision. It goes also from 6% to 90% in terms of people feeling uh, like they're making a difference Mm -hmm. at work. And so it's really important for leaders to understand that their their behaviors in talking about the importance and higher order meaning and purpose of work and uh, the long-term interest being realized through a common vision uh, have such an important impact on their effectiveness as seen by others, as well as the extent to which people think that they're making a difference. Yeah. The leaders really do set the climate. Their behavior matters a lot. And I hope to remind some of those executives who have the lifetime pensions and the retirement's already secure and everything like that, that the people that they're employing and influencing typically don't have those same kind of financial incentives in play. And and most will not going forward. So the rules have changed from when they were growing up um, and when they were coming up through the ranks. And so I really hope they understand that how they influence, how they lead, yes, some of it... um, 
could be confusing and frustrating at times because you got to learn how to relate to people and how to talk to people and how to how to really talk like you've just spoken with purpose and helping them to find their meaning. Sometimes I ask people in my keynotes, I say, how many people feel like they wish they would have had a, a, a consult or a um, counseling degree, you know, or, <laughs> or a psychology degree rather than a business degree? Because working with people is sometimes very complicated. Yeah. But the uh, effort it, is worth indeed. it. The effort's worth it. It is. It, the effort is worth it. And and it takes work. That's the other thing that yes. often becomes a barrier for people. I, you know, I'm expected to produce results as a leader, and I've got lots of tasks I have to do every day and meetings to go to and problems to solve. Uh, you know, I just don't have time to thank people regularly. I yeah. just don't have time, they say, to to take out the time to talk about our meaning and purpose at work. Uh, because I have other things, uh, you know, more immediate things to do. Uh, but yet the data sh- tells us very clearly that this is the work of leaders to talk about these things. If you view your job as increasing the uh, engagement of others and the performance of others, then that's what you're, that is part of your job and you need to do it more frequently than you're now doing it. Yeah. Boy, what what are the questions you think people should be asking right now, uh, but they're not? They're just not thinking about these particular questions, but they should be. Well, in in what what we're seeing right now, it, it, because of the pandemic, and because of the Black Lives Matter movement uh, and so the social justice movement, and be and because of well, here in California, we're experiencing fires, and it's another just a traumatic event in people's lives. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're asking themselves some very fundamental questions about purpose and meaning. And I think these are the kind of right now, this, this, um, these are important questions for us to be asking ourselves. If we think about the pandemic, it has clearly showed us a couple of very important things about what's important in our own lives, the health of our families, uh, the, the, our desire to really socialize, be with other human beings, uh, to ask ourselves, how should we treat each other as a community, as a society? Mm-hmm. And I think those are some fundamental questions we need to pause and ask ourselves very seriously. Uh, for you as an individual leader, I think here are some questions I would suggest you ask yourself. Uh, if I... If in 10 years from now, and they're holding a ceremony in my honor and I've been awarded best leader of the year and everyone's going to win this best leader of the year award. So each individual needs to reflect on this. What would you want people to say about yourself? What would you want people to say are the lessons they learned from you, the ideals you stood for? the feelings that they had when they were around you and the evidence that you mattered, that you made a difference. So what are the lessons, ideals, feelings, and evidence that you'd like people to talk about as they're congratulating you on winning this Leader of the Year Award? Those are, I think, the fundamental questions we all need to be asking ourselves right now. And by the way, the acronym for that is LIFE. L-I-F-E, mm-hmm. lessons, ideals, feelings, and evidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, so le- I think we need to be asking ourselves about the life we want to lead. Mm-hmm. 
And what is it about those who are clear about that purpose, that life that they want to lead, that help them to perform so much better? I mean, that's that's frankly why I started, you know, the Purpose and Principles podcast is to help us understand mm-hmm. when we anchor in purpose, when we follow universal principles, we actually lead more productively, more meaningfully, as we've just talked about here today. We create safe, we create places for people to thrive because now they're contributing and bringing their best ideas and innovating and problem solving like we've never had before because everyone's involved, not just the leader. Yeah. Well, you know, I think being clear about that for ourselves, mm-hmm. the lessons I want people to learn from me, the ideals that I want to stand for, the feelings that I want people to have when they're around me, and, and, and some concrete evidence that I've mattered gives me, gives me as a leader a sense of purpose, mm-hmm. gives me a sense of direction. Uh, gives me some ways in which I can measure myself, and it creates a roadmap. Uh, it enables me to then make some choices uh, about what I want to do every day. It's not unlike Max. Uh, let's say I want to go on a trip. So I'd like to travel. Okay, great. Where do you want to go? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not so sure any place will do. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's, I don't think that's how leaders would want to plan a trip for themselves and their family. And I don't think that's how they want to lead their lives. That we, all, we often get up in the morning, have our coffee, have our breakfast, head off to work. And no time during the day do we ever say, well, what, are, what is it that I really want to accomplish today? What are the principles that are going to guide me as I do my work today? Mm-hmm. What, what is it I want to make sure I pass on to others who are doing their work? So when I see somebody doing something that maybe isn't in, aligned with those values, what lesson do I want to teach them? How do I want to approach that? If we had the, that level of clarity, we'd be much more intentional about our behavior. And I think our behaviors would be much more consistent with exemplary leadership practices. And that's why I can't overemphasize enough how important it is for leaders to understand that we influence others and their behavior all the time. And how we influence them really genuinely matters. I, I just, I love what you're saying here. It is so important. I hope that people are are feeling that. And then they can say, so what can I do about that? You know, how can I, how can I manage or influence people who are now in remote locations or that I hardly see in person anymore? What would you say to those folks who are managing big groups in diverse countries and, and all over via internet conferencing channels? Well, this is a very important question. And actually the pandemic is giving us an opportunity to do some research we didn't expect to do. Mm. So we are actually taking a look at the extent to which these practices uh, are working or not working in this environment. And what we're finding preliminarily, and it's still early, uh, but uh, as we work on the seventh edition of the Leadership Challenge, we'll get more clarity on this, to look at the data during this time and see if those who lead remotely get the same kind of results by doing these behaviors in, uh, at, frequently or not. Uh, or are there other behaviors that show up And what we're finding preliminarily is uh, the the level of consistency. Again, uh, it's harder Mm -hmm. to do because I can't reach out and literally touch someone Mm -hmm. or at least visit them in person. Uh, We may be, as a company, uh, not allowing people into the building right now. 
and have to work remotely. But I'm finding Zoom. You know, we can we can use the technology to help us do that. We can find creative ways when we have a Zoom meeting to check in with each other for the first 10 minutes and talk about how life's going for us and uh, some of what was the best thing that happened to you yesterday? Tell me about that. Or, you know, what, what's a, something you're personally struggling with and how can I help you? So there's some ways that we can use the technology to get up close and personal that we might not have in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're, we're, we're finding the same kind of results during this time that we don't need to develop a whole new leadership language for leading remotely. Uh, that that the the fundamentals still hold. Yeah, yeah, it's consistent over time. I would only suggest and and hope that people understand that when we do these behaviors, it's not because we're trying to manipulate someone. It's because these behaviors actually honor someone. So the motive from which I come from this behavior also matters. Is that fair to say? Yes, genuineness, authenticity. You you can't fake this. Yeah, stuff. yeah. And it it has to be something that comes more naturally to you. And again, I keep repeating this theme, but that takes work. Yes. You know, whenever I I learn something new, uh, whether it's a game or a sport or a language or a software program or uh, anything, a new new leadership behavior, initially it uh, my performance does not go up. Mm. (laughs) I'm rather awkward at doing it. I make a lot of mistakes, but if I keep trying and get some coaching and some training and some help, I can improve on that. So as we try to develop ourselves as more exemplary leaders, it's important for us to reach out and get that kind of coaching, to get that kind of help, mm-hmm. get training where we need it uh, so that it, the behaviors can become more natural, uh, more authentic, more integrated, hence the word integrity, more integrated into uh who we are, how we see ourselves, and what we're competent at doing. Yeah. Anything that you would have wished you would have known earlier in your career, um, as you reflect on, you know, all these great things you've been doing and and what it means, anything you say, gosh, if I would have known this earlier on, I would have been more effective myself. I think the one thing that I wish I had taken to heart earlier in my career was you can't do it alone. Mm-hmm. I, I That lesson wasn't driven home to me until we started doing our research on personal best leadership practices. Mm-hmm. And Max, consistently, we found people saying to us, it wasn't my personal best, it was our personal best. It wasn't a, about me, it was us. When people talked about their highest levels of performance as leaders, they consistently said, we, not I. And they talked about a team mm. and a mm. team effort mm. and being more collaborative and cooperative with others and not just about themselves and their own individual behavior. And what I realized early on uh, was that I could not do the work that I've, I've been doing now for the last four decades on leadership behavior had I not had a partner in Barry Posen. Mm-hmm. Had I not had a supportive family that was willing to support me as I spent time alone working on writing, uh, I, I could not have done what I have done if it weren't for close colleagues who counseled me, who coached me, who advised me, who gave me good ideas. 
none of this could have been done all by myself. And I wished I had learned that much earlier in my life. You know, I, I, I think we were, I know, at least I grew up in a time when was the, the mythology was around the, the, you know, the lone ranger, the solo performer, the, the uh, individual who does it all uh, and not really understood how important other people were in accomplishing anything, particularly accomplishing something extraordinary. And that's a lesson I pass on along to young people. And I do think that actually they are um, better at this than my generation. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Why do you think that is? Well, for one thing, I think we've learned a lot more about emotional intelligence Mm -hmm. and and, uh, group dynamics and working with other people over the last uh, you know, well, since since World War II, when behavioral science was really uh, started to become an important part of uh, of our education, and in particular in the last uh, three decades, and more importantly, probably the last two decades in uh, business schools and in schools of education, and uh, so, so we've they've grown up with hearing about emotional intelligence and EQ and uh, teamwork. Uh, So I think that's uh, one reason. Yeah. Uh, But also, uh, you know, and and maybe because of that, we've just encouraged a lot more uh, collaborative behavior among young people, even in sports, for Mm. example, Mm. where uh, even, even if it's a competitive game and one team wins and another team uh, loses on the scoreboard, you can play in such a way that brings out the best in everyone. Mm-hmm. And there's a level of sportsmanship that's still required and, and cooperation that's required. Yeah, absolutely. I always wonder, you know, what are the systems we have in play at the organi- in, within our organizations that actually take us out of these behaviors or the incentive systems that get us you know, we preach teamwork, we teach teamwork, but the incentive system uh, is is saying, actually, we compete, and we're not really actually as good of friends as we thought. The other thing that triggered for me uh, was the poet, when you said, you know, that, that you your life is better because you have others in your life. Um, John Holmes, the poet, said this once. He said, it's well to remember that the entire universe, with one trifling exception, is composed of others. We need others in our life. We need others in our life and recognizing that we all stand on the backs of those who came before us and that we need people in our life is just a beautiful thing. If there's one thing you'd want people to remember from this conversation today, uh, aside from the fact that we need each other, uh, the way you just articulated it, is there anything else you would say you'd want them to remember as a part of, uh, I I don't know. I mean, you, you, you just have this beautiful legacy of this beautiful body of work that you've done, Jim. And what, what, what do you want people to know and remember from these conversations? One of the things that has been consistent in our work, Max, and we've always closed every edition of the Leadership Challenge with one particular story. And we do that intentionally because I think it is the answer to the question that you just asked. It, it is the one particular bit of advice that I want others to remember when they close that final chapter of that book, but also when they close the final chapter in their own lives. 
and that is that leadership is an affair of the heart. And I learned that from Major General John Stanford, who when I interviewed him, uh, I asked, uh, John, what do you tell people they should do to develop themselves to become better leaders? And without hesitation, he says, whenever anyone asks me that question, I tell them I have the secret to success in life. Now, now, of course, I'm really paying attention to, to John and making sure the recorder is working and I get every word right. And he said, the secret to success in life is stay in love. Staying in love gives you the fire to really ignite other people, to see inside other people, to have a greater desire to get things done than other people. A person who is not in love doesn't really feel the kind of excitement that helps them to get ahead and lead others and to achieve. I don't know any other fire any other thing in life that is more positive and exhilarating a feeling than love is. Mm-hmm. Now, Max, I did not expect to hear that from a major general. But as I reflected on what people were telling us about doing their personal best as leaders, it was very clear that when they spoke, they spoke from the heart. They spoke about how much they cared for or loved their team members. They loved their customers. They loved the work that they were doing. And I thought, John is right. You know, that message is the right message to leave people with. And so I think the most important advice I could give, if I could only give one bit of advice to leaders, is to love them and lead them. Jim Kuzis, thank you for being on the podcast today. You're welcome, Max. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm really grateful to all our listeners out there. I I just, I love this program. I love what it gets to do to share messages like this one. And I'm really grateful for Jim and, and what he shared today. I'm grateful for all of you who listen to this on a weekly basis. Please be safe, be wise, and have a great week. <laughs>